Welcome to the Leader Learner Podcast. This is Teresa Destrebeck. And this is Vincent Mussolino. Hi, Teresa. Hi, Vincent. It's good to see you again. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am really good, actually. Fabulous. Thank you. Excellent. Today, uh, we're here to talk about the Infinite Game uh, by the ultra super famous uh, Simon Sinek, who's written a number of uh, very interesting books. And this is one of them. And you've read it. And I haven't. So I'm going to interview you so that you can give us all the good stuff in the uh, in the book. But first, yes, it's time for the check in question. Okay, I'm Uh, ready. So I have my got my cards. I'm gonna randomly like, oops, that's the one. Um, the pause. If you only had 24 hours to live, what would you do? Oh, that's such a big question. <laughs> if I only had 24 hours to live, what would I do? Um, I would be outside in nature doing something with my family, most likely. So actually, I would probably repeat my last Sunday. So last Sunday... We woke up, we packed our picnic, and we went to uh, we went rock climbing for the day. And we went at this place that's it's the cliffs right above the sea. And so from where we were rock climbing, we had this amazing view of the sea and the coastline. And it was a beautiful sunny day, and we had a lot of fun. And um, yeah, that's probably what I would do for the most of the day. And then once it got dark. I don't know, curl up, have a great meal, drink a little wine, uh, maybe read, chat with my husband, and just, yeah, enjoy the last moments that I have on earth. And fade to black. (laughs) And fade to black, yes. My hope would be that my end would be peaceful. Hmm. But uh, we don't always get to make that decision, do we? Yeah, we don't. Yeah. Wow, that was okay. a big question to start us off. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of a loaded one, too, because, you know. Um, but thanks for that. Yeah, you're welcome. It's a, it's actually interesting because I was just reading a book last night about actually keeping our mortality more present in our minds mm-hmm. um, and then using that to motivate us and keep us connected to our purpose. So, A number of uh, Epicurean philosophers actually... Um, said things like living is learning to die. So it goes right into that direction. Yeah. Which is not the direction of the infinite game, I think. Well, actually, it's really interesting (laughs) because Simon Sinek talks about one of the aspects of playing an infinite game is creating something in your life or having a a North star, so to speak in your life that is worth dying for. So there's different components to playing an infinite game. And one of them is a just cause. And when he talks about businesses today, he says many businesses lack a just cause, which is that thing that's worth dying for. Instead, they're following the money and they're just creating a product or a service that doesn't really it's not worth dying for. It's just about making money. So there is a connection between the two. So there is a connection. Okay. Did you see that transition? 
<laughs> that was a great transition. <laughs> and you went right right with it. So that and that was a great intro into the book. Um because I think my first question is going to be, okay, but isn't that like rosy pink glasses for everybody? Yay, let's all have a cause. I'm thinking of like companies in my area where they're building small watch pieces, metal pieces that go into a movement that goes into the watch that goes into the product. So is there like like the like five steps removed from the consumer? You know, so what do you with what do you do with all these businesses? How does that happen? Having a cause when you know you're honestly not very sexy as a business. <laughs> I love how we're talking about businesses being sexy or not sexy. Um, <laughs> it's actually really interesting because I read slash led um, the Infinite Game with a company in the U.S. and they make um, cases for technology. That's what they do. So they make iPhone cases and iPad cases and different things like that. So it's all about protecting hardware, which I guess you could argue is also not necessarily the sexiest thing in the world either. So we had this amazing conversation about how they could connect what they're doing to a bigger cause. And their biggest clients are um, is in the space of education. So it's like, is our just cause really about education? Is the end kind of user for our just cause the students or not? So it was a big conversation that we had about, could we link our product to something bigger that is a just cause? But the caution that Simon Sinek has in this book is that our just cause and this infinite game we're playing should not be about a product or service. Because one of the aspects of playing an infinite game is what he calls existential flex, which means we are willing to shift, pivot, and be flexible when it comes to our product or service. If you guys can't see right now, Vincent is like looking up and to the side because I know he's thinking. <laughs> okay, so existential flex, meaning purpose. Yep. Okay. So our purpose is really what gets us together, mm -hmm. makes us stay together. Not the product, not the service, but just the purpose. Yes. Huh. Interesting. So when you think about the people that you're working with who make pieces and parts for watches, what is the purpose or why or just cause? I'm overlapping a little bit. Simon Sinek doesn't overlap. He definitely differentiates between the why and the just cause. But if you think about that client of yours, what do you think their purpose, why, just cause could be? Hmm. What this triggers is is this um, push towards expanding how companies measure their performance. And so one of them is, of course, financial, mm -hmm. because that's what they've been doing. But it's those triple accounting companies. Uh, financial is one accounting. So you have books for finance, but mm -hmm. you have books for social accounting, and you have books for ecological accounting. So you're keeping books on all that, you know, what comes in, what goes out. So what I hear from what Simon Sinek is saying is that 
we should not base our just cause or our purpose on if if my product isn't isn't sexy i can always go so if my financial if my my hard business is not sexy i can always go to either ecology or social impact because maybe there's purpose there but then how does that link back to what we do as a business for example this parts this company i'm i'm, I'm thinking of uh you know 130 people making parts for the watch industry what what is their just cause i i just can't see one in the business but if i say okay it's going to be let's be together and let's be a group of people that appreciate each other and that, you know, we have certain characteristics that make us very special as a group. That sounds hollow to me. One of the things that Simon Sinek talks about, I mean, he talks a lot about his own just cause and his just cause is not about the books he writes, but it's about creating, and I'm going to probably butcher it and not quote it properly, but it's about creating safe and inspiring places for people to go to work where they come home every day feeling fulfilled or something like that. Hmm. So a company could have a just cause that's just around employee engagement. That's just around how we work together. That's around how we collaborate and how we communicate and how we connect within the walls of our business. And yes, we create some product, but that the bigger just cause is around how we do business differently. Hmm. And are we getting sucked into what another author called Matthew Barzin calls the pyramid mindset, where it's all just about being the best, getting to the top, which is also something that Simon Sinek talks about, that so many businesses are like, I'm the best, I'm the top. And, and part of the infinite game that Simon talks about is that it's not about winning. It's not about being the best. And the, when you play an infinite game, you're playing because there's not an end. It's not about winning. The goal of an infinite game is to just keep playing the game. Not to win, oh. not to exit, not to sell your company to the highest bidder. It's about continuing to play. And it's really interesting because you could ask yourself... Um... Short term, I, I think winning and losing is a short term fixed mindset kind of thing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, I just realized that it's it's kind of you know if you think you're playing the long game, then you it's not that you don't have to it's not that you don't, you don't have to be competitive, but you don't have to win. You don't have to because winning is okay. I've won. Now what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like well, there's nothing behind that. I need to win more. Okay, what does that mean? Does that even mean something? So, okay. So if if we take that company, so what they would say, if I understand this correctly, and which is kind of, so they're an industrial company and they're 130 people and they do this. They do this around employee engagement and, and because it's an area where honestly there's not a lot of people. So the social impact is pretty, pretty large, pretty mm -hmm. huge. So, and let's imagine now that the market changes, shifts completely and huge pressure and a normal company would then put this pressure back onto their employees, mm -hmm. okay? But they're saying, no, 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 no. We're playing the long game. So we want to stay together and our purpose is to be together. So 
does that mean that they would have to like switch industries or switch customers or do something else with their you know industrial uh, infrastructure? Is that what he means? Possibly, yes. Yeah, wow. that's exactly what he means. And he gives lots of examples of it. I mean, there's tons of examples that we have heard of, like Netflix and Blockbuster, mm. Kodak. They didn't flex. They didn't shift as the market shifted and they died. And he also gives an example in the book of Walt Disney, that Walt Disney was originally in the movie making business. And then Disney actually kept going. But Walt Disney himself pivoted and created Walt Disney World. He left the film industry completely and created this magical place for kids to go because his just cause was around entertainment. Hmm. And he, I think, saw some things within the filmmaking industry that weren't aligned with that entertainment. And so he moved and he created a whole different space. So that's one of the things that Simon Sinek talks about. So I'm going to like back up because... He talks about the infinite game as opposed to the the finite game. So the finite game, there's set rules. There's a clear winner and loser at the end, and it's it stops. There's an end to it. Like we were just saying, I want to be the best or whatever. Whereas the infinite game, because you're continuing to play, the rules are continually shifting. The game is continually shifting. There's not a winner or loser. So with this parts, this watch parts, like you say it's in a small area, maybe the just cause is really around creating a, an economy and, a, and jobs for the community. Maybe that's part of what their just cause is. Like we are creating a space and a company where people can come and participate in the local economy and go home every night knowing that they have provided something, you know, a sense of security and safety for their family. So if the watch industry implodes and we all decide that we don't want to wear watches anymore and this product these pieces that they're manufacturing is no longer viable then the company will say okay how can we shift how can we flex so that we can still connect with that just cause about creating jobs for this community so that people can create a sense of safety within their families so is he trying to undo adam smith's kind of early 17th century uh, vision or 18th century vision. Um, I don't, I don't remember about businesses are, you know, in to make money. Actually, that's not Adam Smith. That's not Adam Smith. About the wealth of nations. Actually, that comes later on this idea that business, do you know where that, by the way, do you know when, when that happened kind of business is, is like money only. It, I think it's Milton Friedman. Is it Friedman? I think it's Friedman. That's uh, the one who said it. He quotes it in the book. I can't remember the exact Date, but what I'll do for our listeners is I'll look it up. I'll go back to the book and I'll look it up and I can give you all the dates. Um, but yeah, so he talks about Adam Smith in the book and then he also talks about Milton Friedman and the shift that happens. And he talks a lot about the, I mean, he, I believe that Simon Sinek lives in America. I actually don't know, but I think he's British. Mm -hmm. And he talks about, he sh shares a lot of statistics around the change in pay scales between employees and CEOs and that CEOs are rewarding themselves at some astronomical level compared to employees and how that shift has been fairly recent, but it's been exponential. And I think about, um, I was just leading a book circle uh, recently and we were talking about 
another book called The Power of Giving Away Power, which Simon Sinek actually urged the author to write. And in that conversation, we talked about a company called Gravity Payments, where the CEO decided to shift and everybody's minimum salary is 70000 and including himself. So he, everybody has the same base salary. And everybody, when he started, thought he was crazy. There's no way that you can do this. What are you doing? And it totally shifted his entire company and it shifted how people treated each other and treated him. I think they actually, with everybody's salary, if I remember correctly, the, all the employees got together and they bought him a Tesla or something like that <laughs> to say thank you for this. So they like, and it, it goes with this idea of reciprocity and giving it back. Yeah. And um, yeah. That, and it's it's a representation of, uh, it's it's an idea. I mean, Milton Friedman, God bless him or not, but he had an idea and someone, and we latched on and, but it's just a, an idea. And Friedman is not, you know, he's not like 12th century. I mean, it's very recent. So it means that humans have been living in another way of looking at commercial enterprises than the one we're in right now. So why not change? Why not switch? And, you know, maybe uh, Simon Sinek is trying to do, to do his part, to play his part so that to help us switch to something else. Um, so that's that's kind of interesting in in a way because um but then what do business what do businesses serve what what's their function what's their purpose in turn and i think it goes back to this idea of maybe making money is not that it's not a primary purpose it's a secondary purpose you need to, you need you need to make money to sustain yourself i mean that's mm -hmm. obvious but but maybe the primary goal is not that one maybe that's a secondary goal it's no longer a primary goal let's put it that way so well, uh, so simon Sinek talks about the importance of that profit is is a secondary goal yes but that that people and sometimes what companies do is they put profit over people and what he's encouraging us to do is to put people higher up. I don't remember if he exactly says above profit, but I would imagine that he would. And when he talks about people, he's not just talking about the employees. He's talking about mm. all people. Because if you have a just, just cause, there is some sort of social impact and you're trying to create something different in the world, which then will ripple out to the people. And he also talks a lot about so many companies, you know, they do their business for the shareholders because the shareholders, they're the ones that are contributing financially to the company. But yet, without the employees, you have nothing. Mm. So he it talks about how we've put this dollar amount, this value on people and how much they contribute in some sort of like based on how much money they have. But he, said, he talks about how we need to think about how all of us are contributing because the employees are contributing, I would say, potentially even more or differently than the shareholders. Yeah. And how about that? If you look at a profit and loss statement, so you have, you know, you have a turnover 
all the way up. Mm -hmm. And then as you go down, you know, the, the number gets smaller and smaller, right? And you get to the EBIT, which is kind of, you know, the earnings before interest and taxes. And that's kind of a measure of how good your business is functioning, how well it's functioning. Now, what's interesting is employee costs are before EBIT. Employee cost, that's already a sign that it's not good being an employee, right? And that sparked the whole Marxism movement. It's like, that's unfair. Why should we, and I think what Marx was trying to say is to say, we should have, I, I think his idea is, 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 is wrong. I don't think that's the right way to do it. But I think he, he had this the same idea, which is employees need to be at the same table. But if you look at dividends, it's below the EBIT line. So once you have defined if a company works or not, whatever's left can be attributed to as dividends. So in the way we measure financial performance, there's already this imbalance between employees and shareholders. Yep. And that's an idea. I mean, it's an idea that's probably a couple of hundred years old, but you know, we could change the way we measure performance success and put dividends and, and uh, employee costs or turn or whatever at, you know, on an equal footing. Um, and that would allow us to measure, like you know, maybe real impact or uh, whatever the case may be. So why are we into Marxism there? Well, interesting. <laughs> um, you know, I would do so, want to say something about you know Simon uh -huh. Sinek. I've listened to his podcast before as well, and he will. Some people have accused him of being like a socialist or even a communist, and he's like, no, no, yeah. no, no. Don't get me wrong. I am very much still a capitalist. But I think we can do capitalism differently. Yeah, it goes back to this idea of okay, who defines what capitalism is anyway? Mm. I mean, yeah. seriously, you know, the fact that we're going to try and 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 have a a common way of looking at what to do with companies, you know, how is that socialism? That's kind of a knee-jerk reaction. That's kind of very present in the U.S. I find. Uh, a bit less, I think we're more, and, and, and Americans will say that Europeans are more socialist anyway. So Yes, they do. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So in, in this, um, so you've talked about the pivot between the infinite game and um, the power, the power to give away power. The power of giving away power. Yep. Right. So what's the connection between these two books? Mm. So, the Power of Giving Away Power um, was written by a man by the name of Matthew Barzin, and he was the former ambassador to uh, the UK for America and to Sweden. But he also worked on the campaign, the Obama campaign. And one of the things that he, most campaigns, when you run a campaign, you focus on the big donors, right? So instead of asking everybody for money, you just focus on the people who have a lot of money and who have given in the past. And what Matthew Barzin did was he he learned about, you know, shifting things. And he learned a lot actually from a woman by the name of Lynn Twist, who wrote a book called The Soul of Money, and how we shouldn't just pigeonhole ourselves into giving, getting whatever, asking people with power, and often money and power are connected for things that we can ask everybody. So what ended up happening is they did a whole study between Hillary Clinton's campaign and Obama's campaign, and the number of people who gave and how much money they got. And by shifting, and so Matthew Barzin calls it the constellation mindset. 
instead of a pyramid mindset. So the pyramid, one person's at the top, all those people on the little, on the bottom, and we tend to focus on who's on the top, which is Simon Sinek and the shareholders, and we don't focus on the people, the employees on the bottom. So in Matthew Barzin's campaign strategy, they asked everybody for $20, and that was it. And then, so I would ask 10 friends for $20, and then I would ask those 10 people to ask 20 or 30 friends for $20. And what ended up happening is it rippled out and it spread to such an extent that they ended up having a lot more donors and a lot more people invested in the campaign and then a lot more people who actually showed up to vote because they were invested, even in a small amount. They had that just cause, right? They were invested in who was going to be the next president. And so Matthew Barzin used that learning to, as he was an ambassador, and he says, as ambassadors, we often have these like big dinners where people come and we like schmooze all the people and, you know, get their support. But what he did is he went out to the countryside and he went and spoke in, in communities, just like Obama did when he was um, campaigning. And he didn't focus just on these people at the top of the pyramid. He focused on everybody. So how do we take that and apply it to our world, uh, the world of business? What, what does it mean? What behaviors would we need to, uh, to adopt or change so that we can, if we wanted to follow Matthew Barzin's uh, advice? So one of the things he talks about is the difference between um, thinking of our business as hunting versus uh, farming. And most of us in business think about, where's my next kill we're in what you talked about earlier about short term. Where is my next big contract? Where is who can I sell to? So we go in these cycles of okay, I, we have the sales cycle. How many? What am I going to hit my numbers? How much money are we going to bring in? And blah blah blah. And that's all about the hunt. And we have this whole energy around our work that's about hunting. That's about finding the kill and coming home with the reward, instead of farming, where we're planting lots of seeds. And we're paying attention to and we're cultivating those seeds over time. And yeah, some won't come to fruition. Some will not grow. But when the others do grow, we have this amazing harvest. So it's the difference between the short-term game and the long-term game. So it's the finite game of hunting, like Simon Sinek talks about, or the infinite game where we're farming and we're spending more time and we're cultivating relationships and when we cultivate those relationships, people feel more invested. So yesterday, when we were talking about the journey, people want to feel valued and they're part of the journey. Yeah. Sometimes in business, we're ignoring a lot of people and we're not inviting them to be part of the journey. Whether it be our customers, whether it be our own employees. And this, this hunting versus farming makes me think of causal thinking versus complex thinking meaning if i'm hunting it's you know i action means consequence means reward mm -hmm. right whereas farming is like mm, i think it's more organic with you know no pun intended it's more i'm going to throw out seeds statistical thinking let's call it that and maybe it works maybe it doesn't but it's not this causal kind of fixed uh 
you know, I have to do this to do this. And but because I think the first one is is an illusion anyway. I mean, we're never hunting. We think we're hunting, but we're never hunting. And I think that's another discussion we could have, which is this this representation of how the world works. And as hunters, um, I, I think uh, I think we're we're setting ourselves for failure. Uh, which is why going to this more biological thinking, kind of growing and you know uh, spreading seeds, and uh, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. I think is more helpful. I think is a more helpful way to think about ourselves, and of course the way we do business. Um, so that's kind of as I really lashed onto this hunting versus farming thing. So thanks for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, it, it's time to uh, close this uh, this episode. Um, so one. One last thing, maybe about either books or something that really impressed on you about about these books. I think one realization that I have is that I actually realized in reading both of these books that I think I'm already playing an infinite game, and I'm already giving away my power, but the how easy it is to get sucked back in to the other when we have all this outside noise that's more of what Matthew Barzin would call a pyramid or more of what Simon Sinek would call the finite game, how easy it is to get sucked back into that world. So I've already flexed. I've already, you know, I think I've already had a just cause for a long time, whether that being from my teaching years to then my leadership years to my coaching years and now to my book circle work. There's been a through line. There's been a just cause in all of it, which is about being a contribution to people's learning and development. But it's so easy to get sucked into the other way of doing it, to focus on money, to focus on scarcity. And all that brings up then is fear. And um, then it gets me away from my just cause. So. That's, Thanks for that. Yeah, you're welcome. My um, my learning is really this hunting versus farming. And I think I, I had kind of another intuition uh, for for personal reasons and, and a weakness in believing in myself. I was always against selling as a consultant, like, mm-hmm. you know, going aggressively at customers and sell them solutions and products because I wasn't very good at it. Um, I, I still am not very good at it. So I had to develop some other kind of strategy. And I think intuitively I thought developing relationships with different people might work. And actually it does. And that's, I think, more farming than hunting. Mm-hmm. So, but I think I'm, I'm going to run away with that. We're actually doing our, uh, our um, kind of strategic revision with, the, with, uh, with, with my colleagues. And uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to tell them that story and try to see where we can go from there and to be farmers instead of hunters. So thank you very much for that, uh, Teresa. You are very, very welcome. So if you're interested, there is a podcast between Simon Sinek and Matthew Barzin where he talks more about this. If you haven't read the book. And you don't want to buy the book, you can grab, you can listen to that podcast. And can he talks about the, the farming notes? and the hunting. Yeah, let's put it in the show notes for sure. I also think I mentioned a lot of other books. Okay. So excellent. <laughs> I'll have to add those all to the show notes as well. Okay. So are we done with this episode? I think that's it. Okay. So until next time, stay connected and keep learning. If you want to connect to Teresa, 
reach her at www.emergebookcircles.com. And if you would like to connect with Vincent, you can find him at www.coapta.ch. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share. 